When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everybody, welcome to a special head coach edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby. I'm going to bring Mary Kate Cabot on here shortly via phone. The Browns, of course, promoted Freddie Kitchens to head coach. We're going to talk all about that, get into what he'll do with his staff, the defense, how it all came together. That's coming up. But first, a shout out to our sponsor, Sibling Revelry Brewing. We had an event at their tap room uh, back in December. It was great. Check that out in Westlake, or you can buy their products at Acme, Giant Eagle, Heinen's, all sorts of great places. They've been a sponsor for us now, uh, dating back to the start of this last season. So it's, it's been great working with them. So make sure you check out their website and check out their uh, their selection of beers at uh, grocery stores in the area. But without further ado, here we go, the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, talking about the hire of Freddie Kitchens. Of course, if if you follow Mary Kay, and I don't know why you'd be listening to this podcast and not following Mary Kay on Twitter, but uh, you, you would have known about this hire yesterday, uh, Mary Kay, as you, uh, you wrote yesterday that, uh, I mean, essentially, Freddie Kitchens was going to get this job. There were some things still out there with Kevin Stefanski and all of that, but it, it really did start to feel uh, like this, this was going to be Freddie Kitchens' job you know, pretty early on in this week. Yeah, uh, you know, the vibes seemed to be heading that way. But then I, I did have a source tell me yesterday that Freddie had a good chance to get the job. And I went as far with it as I possibly could when I wrote it. But uh, for the most part, uh, you know, I knew and was able to put out there yesterday that, that this was the way this was going to go down. And the Kevin Stefanski stuff threw a little bit of a monkey wrench into it. Um, but, you know, I guess all along I still kind of felt that Freddie was going to get the job because – uh, you know, Kevin Stefanski has only called plays for three games. He doesn't know anybody here. He doesn't know the system. He doesn't know Baker Mayfield. Um, you know, I just thought it just seemed like it was all heading in Freddie's direction. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I know you and I both kind of felt that way, even, you know, as the season was winding down, it, it just really felt like, you know, maybe not going as far as Freddie was going to get the job, but it really felt like he was, I mean, his candidacy was legitimate. Um, it really felt like that as the season was winding down. Yeah, I think we've talked about it. Of course, we have on on this podcast. And then, uh, you know, on on December 20th, one day when we were asking Freddie, you know, just about the job, and he talked about that he definitely no doubt wanted to be a head coach someday. Uh, That day, I wrote a column saying that he should be interviewed for the head coach job, that he should be a candidate for this job. And most people were kind of still thinking about him as sticking around as offensive coordinator with Greg Williams. But it started to become really evident around then that, you know what, he's doing such a phenomenal job with this offense. Why not go ahead and at least interview him 
as the head coach and see if he has what it takes to run the whole operation, to run the whole team, and to be, you know, to oversee this thing and see if he can get this team to the next level. So there's a lot of levels to this. And, and let's just start with the, the biggest level of it all. And, and that's the Baker Mayfield relationship. And as I've kind of thought through this, you know, it seems to me like Mayfield is a guy who you, you've got to have a, a certain type of personality and a certain type of, I don't know what it is, a certain type of something uh, to really relate to Baker Mayfield and, and connect with Baker Mayfield. He likes to say he's not a cookie cutter quarterback. And, uh, you know, he, him and Freddie really did seem to hit it off very quickly. And, and they did seem to have that, that strong relationship you look for in a, in a quarterback and a coordinator. Yeah, uh, they do have that. They have a really good rapport. Uh, they have, and, and Freddie talked about this a lot. They have a mutual trust. They have a mutual respect. And they also have uh, a mutual sense of humor, I guess is what you would call it. They, <laughs> they really kid around with each other a lot. They have a lot of fun that way. We've seen uh, some of the stuff that Baker has said on, you know, on Mic'd Up. And uh, we've heard Freddie, you know, kid around that he's going to go by his headbands at Lululemon. And they have sort of a, a playful banter that goes on. And I think that's good. I think that you need this. This is a very stressful position. Freddie's played the position, so he understands that. He knows what, what Baker is up against and what he is facing on a weekly basis. And he knows when to, uh, when to keep it light. And I, I remember one of the games, you know, uh, you know we, we heard that, you know, Freddie was really coming down, on hard, coming down hard on him. It must have been the, uh, oh, I can't remember which one of the games that it was, that he just was off to a horrible start in the beginning of the game and then really got it together. So Freddie can do that. He can he can dig in there. He can yell at him, and he can get the most out of him when he needs to. Uh, but he can also lighten it up and have fun with him, and um, you know, and get the most out of him in that way as well. And and you know, like I said, that's that's the relationship teams are seeking now. When when you have that that franchise quarterback, it's it's what the Rams kind of stumbled upon with Sean McVay. I know that name has almost, you know, that comparison has almost become a joke in recent weeks. And anybody who's a friend of Sean McVay's is getting jobs, but that that's still kind of what teams are seeking and uh, guys that really understand and relate to a quarterback. And, and I just think with Baker, he's a different kind of guy. He's got that chip on his shoulder that we know about. He, he kind of always is looking for that motivation and, I don't know that anybody can just walk in that room and, and instantly earn his respect. I, I think it's something that takes time with him. Yeah, those guys have a chemistry. They they have a, they had an instant chemistry when he took over the role as offensive coordinator and started working with Baker. And I think the fact that, once again, that he has played the position. Now, he played at Alabama. He didn't play in the NFL. But the fact that he has been out there in the heat of the moment, exactly what Baker is going through. I think that means a lot to Baker. I really do. And um, and I do think that, it, you know, it may have been hard for other coaches to find that connection with Baker that he has with Freddie Kitchens. And, you know, this was probably the only way that you were really going to keep Freddie Kitchens around for sure. You can't really hire a head coach and say, you have to have this guy as your offensive coordinator. So I think you and I were both on the same page with that, that, you know, if you really want Freddie to be the guy, you're probably going to have to go ahead and just take it all, all the way to the top and let him be the head coach of the team. So uh, real quickly, let's circle back with uh, the, the Stefanski stuff. Um, because, you know, as I did a little more research on him, as his name came up, you know, I thought he was an intriguing guy. Uh, it sounds like he's a, a little more of the analytic slant, um, uh, you know, the analytic side of the spectrum. But 
I, I thought he was an interesting guy. Um, I mean, do you think he had a, a real shot to get this job, even even in the last day or two? You know what? It seems like he did, and it also seems like, uh, you know, I do believe that there probably was something to the fact that certain guys in on the search committee liked Kevin Stefanski, and other guys on the search committee really wanted Freddie. Now it seems uh, like it's shaking out that. John Dorsey and, and his camp really wanted Freddie, and it maybe maybe it is true. And I think Mike Florio was the first person to kind of, you know, really pin it down. Uh, was that Paul D. Podesta and some others were more in the Kevin Stefanski camp? And you know, it's been you know, it's easy to see that Kevin Stefanski, like you said, he he's an analytics guy. He's also an Ivy Leaguer, like Andrew Barry, like Paul D. Podesta. So he's coming at it from. Uh, you know, some, from a, a very, very cerebral standpoint. I mean, those, you know, those Ivy Leaguers, they, uh, they're in a little bit of a, a different stratosphere when it comes to <laughs> brain power. And, you know, they probably hit it off really well, uh, you know, when they, when they get together. So I would think that, you know, maybe there is some truth to that, that those guys really liked him. I started to think that maybe it was possible when Brad Childress quit his job yesterday as, uh, you know, as head coach of the Atlanta Legends of the American, I can't remember the whole name, Alliance of American Football, uh, a new startup league. Uh, it really seemed like there was a chance that, that perhaps he was going to align himself with Kevin Stefanski if he got the job and perhaps come here and do exactly what he did for Matt Nagy, help him inst- install his offense, get everything set up, uh, and just sort of figure out kind of how to be a head coach. He did that last year, Brad Childress did with the Bears. And then you keep digging into it a little deeper and you see and you recall that Brad Childress spent four years uh, working under John Dorsey with the Chiefs. And so I started thinking maybe there is something to that. And maybe it did get pretty close. You know, I, I really don't know exactly uh, how it all went down in the end. And I'm sure that uh, more details of this whole thing will trickle out and we probably will have a press conference tomorrow where we'll, we'll formally talk to Freddie and he'll be introduced as the head coach and John Dorsey will be there and, and, you know, maybe Jimmy and, uh, and, you know, maybe we'll get a few more details and then there'll be some behind the scenes things that will come out. Um, so, but yeah, I think it did come down. He came in for a second interview. We do know that. So he came in for that second interview and, you know, things may have come right down to the wire. Yeah, and it does feel like, you know, in in this whole analytics discussion, I, I think, uh, you, know, you know, it's easy to look at Freddie and, and hear him talk and all that and kind of think, oh, this guy's old school football. You know, I think Freddie's got a little bit of that in him, too, if, if we're being honest, with, with some of the decisions he made and uh, the offense he runs. It, it'll be kind of interesting to see if, if we can get some of that figured out as well. Well, I think the thing that, that we saw with Freddie, in those eight games of being an offensive coordinator is that he's really innovative and open to anything that uh, he dusted off the wishbone. He embraces the spread RPOs, uh, you know, trick plays, gadget plays, you know, you name it, Uh, receiver option passes, uh, you know, inside handoffs to receivers, three tight ends. I mean, you name it. I mean, there were so many different kinds of, uh, formations and he you know he kind of really let it all hang out there so I would think that if, if he is open to all of that that he would have to be open to you know a lot of the analytics that are um, you know that, that are important in today's game 
Yeah, a lot like a lot like John Dorsey too. I I, th- I think they're kind of uh, you know they might just be kindred spirits in in that sense, kind of that mixing of that that blending of uh, of the old and new. Um, all right, so let's talk about the you know what Kitchens has to do now um, because obviously there's much more to this job than play calling. Uh, the offensive staff we've already seen uh, some shakeups there. Uh, Ken Zampezi's gone uh, among others. He's probably the most significant name right now uh, that that has been let go, but what do you, what shape do you think this offensive staff is going to take? And, and do you think that w- there will be an offensive coordinator position on this staff? Well, there might be, um, but you know, there's a chance it could be Ryan Lilly. Now he, if, if he's not just a quarterback's coach, you know, he could be in line to be uh, an offensive coordinator, but not one that necessarily calls the place. I do think that Freddie Kitchens is still going to call his place. That's what got him the job. So, why not play to your strengths and do what got you here? Uh, but we know that he brought in Ryan, to, you know, the former NFL quarterback, to be the running backs coach. And I would expect Ryan to either be named quarterbacks coach or, uh, or maybe something more, assistant head coach or offensive coordinator if they don't hire a, you know, a real experienced coordinator. Uh, so I think he'll be around. Uh, you know, who knows? Drew Stanton, if he's ready to – to start coaching you know maybe he ends up on the staff somehow um you know it just depends on if he still wants to play or if, if he's ready to 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 hang up the cleats in, in favor of a clipboard or a whistle so uh you know that's something to kind of keep in mind those those three seem to be pretty tight and close um so yeah the defensive staff you know those guys are all going to be gone although i've heard that Dwayne walker uh the defensive backs coach has a really good chance of sticking around as does on the offensive side of the ball, Adam Henry, because uh, he's done a nice job with the receivers, a really nice job, including Jarvis Landry, close with him, and uh, has some other really good connections in the league and um, and just has a good reputation for being a, a really good receivers coach. Yeah, going, going back to the play calling thing, I mean, there's, there's really no way that Freddie could just say, yeah, I'm going to let somebody else call plays. Right? I mean, like you said, that's what got him the job. And, and anymore, we see more and more coaches, you know, take this – take this, uh, this approach, you know, it, it used to be you got a little nervous when you heard, okay, a guy's going to become a head coach and he's going to call plays. But uh, I mean, it's almost what all of these offensive guys do now. They become head coaches and, and they keep calling their own plays and they're having success with it. Yeah. I think you just have to have uh, your staff set up the right way. You have to have the right people upstairs. You have to have the right eyes on, on what's going on. So you might have, uh, you know, somebody that, that is make, making sure that the clock management is all going the way that it needs to go. You know, maybe you have somebody that is, uh, you know, helping out on, you know, what the analytics are and going for it on fourth down in certain situations. As long as you have the right people set up and you have the right people in the right places, some upstairs, maybe some downstairs, uh, I think he should be able to handle it. You know, I do think it would be helpful for him to have a senior offensive assistant such as in Al Saunders. Now, Al is a, a leftover, obviously, from the Hugh Jackson regime. Those two are close. They go back many, many years together. So, you know, Freddie might want to have his own kind of guy like that, but you could do a whole lot worse uh, than Al Saunders when it comes to just having that, you know, that wisdom and that experience and somebody that can help you just kind of get the trains out on time. Yeah, that that was actually a, a phrase I was just about to use. I mean, that's that's part of being a head coach is – you got to make sure things are running on time, you know, in training camp, 
you know, dur- during the week in the season. Uh, you, you've got to make sure that things are happening when they're supposed to happen. Of course, you mentioned the game, you know, the decisions on game day that you have to make. Um, there, there's so much more that goes into it. Now you're responsible for it. And uh, I, I will, I think that's one thing that Greg Williams seemed to do really well. Things really tightened up uh, in that regard uh, w- when he took over. And, and that's something that Freddie is going to have to make sure, you know, you, you've got to keep that stuff moving along and, and, you know, you, you can notice it when, when little details start lacking. Well, you're right. And Greg did a phenomenal job of holding everything together when those guys, when Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley got fired, Greg did a really, really good job of, of making sure that the whole operation stayed afloat, uh, that practices were crisp, that they got where they needed to be when they needed to be there because he had been a head coach before. And so I do think that it will be important for Freddie to have one or two guys on the staff that have been a head coach before or have extensive NFL experience in a leadership role that can help him with all of that stuff. Because one of the things that I really, uh, that really stood out to me when I was researching Dan Campbell a couple of days ago uh, was, or it's almost a week ago by now, uh, (laughs) was the the fact that um, those 12 games, he's the the Saints, uh, he's the Saints associate head coach type, tight ends coach right now but he was the interim coach of the Dolphins for 12 games um, previously and he talks about what he learned in those 12 games that that you know he really had to come up the learning curve and you know he's sitting there watching film and and trying to game plan and all of a sudden he has to deal with contracts and you know a, a player's late to a meeting or you know somebody gets arrested or you know somebody asks to be traded. I mean, those are all kinds of things that are going to be coming at Freddie Kitchens right now. And I think, you know, that was one of the reasons why I think I I did um, advocate earlier in the week that I, you know, I thought a Dan Campbell might be good because uh, he has that experience under his belt. He knows what that takes, but Freddie's going to have to learn that very, very quickly, that uh, how to manage his time, how to divide his time and how to delegate some of those responsibilities. Okay, so uh, let, let's touch quickly on the defensive side of the ball. Of course, like you mentioned, the defensive side is, is going to change drastically. Greg Williams is already gone. Uh, a lot of that staff uh, out, outside of a guy like Dwayne Walker and, and maybe one or two others uh, likely out the door as well. Um, so what, what are the Browns going to look for in, in a defensive coordinator, do you think? Could they look at a, a young, upcoming defensive coordinator? Could they go – uh, you know, the older, the older route, a guy that maybe has been a head coach before and that maybe doesn't have those aspirations anymore, which, which way do you think they'll go? Well, I, I could see it going the way that you described there at the end where they have sort of a, a, you know, a former head coach on that side of the ball or a longtime former coordinator, somebody with a lot of really good experience. There's a lot of shakeup on staffs right now uh, because obviously there were eight vacancies. So there are a lot of openings, a lot of vacancies, and a lot of movement on staffs. And some of it's still shaking out. I mean, some guys still don't even know if they're getting the head job yet. So once that all settles down, I think that there will be uh, some really good experienced coordinators, and I think that will be important. I think uh, because you have sort of an inexperienced offensive coordinator slash head coach, you might want someone a little bit with a little bit more experience on the defensive side of the ball, so you don't really have to worry about that. That's going to be key for Freddie. They don't, you know, he shouldn't have to worry too, too much about the defense. 
or the special teams, which also needs a huge upgrade. Yeah, that's true. We haven't even talked about um, the the special teams coach, which uh, Amos Jones did not have a great year and, and didn't have a particularly great reputation coming into this year. Um, so you, you've, you've got to think there's going to be a change there as well uh, this season. So, you know, a, a, a lot of upheaval here on this roster, but at least, you know, you know kind of keeping that continuity with, with Freddie and Baker is, uh, is certainly a plus in all of this. Well, I'm sure Baker is very happy because now he knows uh, what to expect and he does not have to learn an entirely new terminology. Uh, the rest of his teammates don't have to learn a new terminology. That's very important. I'm sure that that was part of the consideration here is they really want to hit the ground running next year. Next year is a year that they will be expected to win the AFC North. If all of these guys were learning an entirely new offense, that's going to take a while. Their off seasons would have been nothing but their heads in the playbook and tr- just trying to figure out the new language. And it takes a while to get that down. It wouldn't have looked good in the beginning of training camp, and they would not have been able to pick up where they left off when they were one of the hottest offenses in the NFL. Now, I have been saying all along, and I have to keep saying this because we have to temper the enthusiasm just a little bit. They played some of the worst defenses in the NFL in the second half of that season. Four of their games were against the 28th, 31st, 32nd, and 32nd defense. And Denver was down like five cornerbacks. I mean, it just, (laughs) it wasn't, you know, I mean, that has to be taken into consideration. And the reason why I bring it up is because Baker, not that they don't realize it, but, you know, Frederick needs to remember it. Baker needs to remember it. They need to remember and to realize that they haven't arrived anywhere yet, that they have not. They did not beat a winning team. They lost to all three winning teams that they played, and they struggled offensively uh, at least in the first halves of those games against some of those really better defenses. So, you know, they, they have to go back and look at that film. You learn more from your losses than you do from your victories, and that's going to be important. They, have to, they can't think that they've arrived. Baker can't look at all of his stats, his 19 touchdowns and eight interceptions, uh, he's got to look with a very critical eye at those games where he played against the better defenses because it's going to be more of that next year and teams are going to game plan him and try to figure out how to shut him down. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned the Denver thing and uh, they, they even lost a corner during the game, if, if I remember right. So, so they were already down a bunch of corners and they lost one during the game. And I think that's the other element of this is Freddie's going to take over this job and there's no learning curve. Like he's coming in. And this team has expectations. They want to win the division. Uh, they want to make the playoffs. They, they love to win a playoff game or two. I mean, th- this is time for this football team to start winning. So, you know, Freddie doesn't have a year where he can come in and go six and ten or, or seven and nine or whatever. They they do have to hit the ground, uh, hit the ground running next year and start winning football games. Absolutely, and. And because of, of, you know, all the great noise that Baker made in the second half of the season, becoming one of the hottest quarterbacks in the NFL in that span with a 106.2 rating in those last eight games, uh, only being sacked five times and all kinds of other uh, stats that just kind of blow you away, uh, defensive coordinators are going to be digging in there and trying to figure out uh, his weaknesses, how to shut him down. I mean, the Chargers were able to do something where, you know, they kind of, pinned him in a little bit, hemmed him in, and didn't let him get out and run around. I think that's where he's the most dangerous when he's on the run. 
Uh, he does so many things well. I think it's going to be hard to defend against him no matter what defensive coordinators try to do. But these guys are smart, and they're going to start working on it in the offseason, and they're going to study that tape, and they're going to look and find out uh, what the weaknesses are, if any, and how to defend him. And so it's going to be tougher, I think, in his second year, even though there will be, I'm sure, an upgrade uh, on the offense. I'm, they'll probably add a couple more pieces. I'm sure they will. They'll add some receivers to this football team. Uh, who knows? They might add some tight ends. Uh, so, you know, there will be an upgrade in personnel, but teams are going to be gunning for Baker Mayfield. And like you said, they're going to be in the spotlight. They're going to be playing a lot of night games. People are going to be giving them their best shot. They're going to be coming after the Browns next year. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be interesting. Um, you, you know, personally, I, you know, I, I like the hire. I'm curious to see where it goes. It is certainly a gamble, uh, but I think it was, uh, you know, kind of based on the candidates that were out there and the people they talked to. Uh, you know, they're they're trying to buy low on Freddie Kitchens. We'll see how it works out. Um, and you know, like we've said, it's going to be we're we're going to know very quickly next season uh, whether whether he's ready to handle this or not. Yeah, it, it, it is kind of stunning in a way. I mean, you know, you have John Dorsey that comes in here, and you know that he came in with uh, a list, I've been saying this for so long, a list in his back pocket of guys that he's been thinking about for years and years and years that would make good head coaches in the NFL. And here he found one right under his nose, <laughs> right in the building, in Freddie Kitchens. And who thought? Nobody believed. Nobody thought that when Freddie Kitchens was elevated from running backs coach, associate head coach, to offensive coordinator in that game against the Chiefs, that suddenly you were looking at the next head coach of the Cleveland Browns. Who could have thought that that was possible? Uh, but, you know, he won over Baker. He won over the front office, or at least half of the front office. And, uh, and here he is, the uh, ninth full-time head coach of the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I, I know I kind of laughed a little when it was brought up that, oh, he called plays in that fourth preseason game. I kind of was like, okay, well, you know, whatever. How very Browns to tout that. But uh, he, he did well when they gave him the reins as offensive coordinator, and now he's this, uh, this team's head coach. Okay, so uh, a busy day, obviously, with the hire of Freddie Kitchens. There's obviously more to come. Uh, we'll have it all covered at cleveland.com slash Browns. Uh, I know you'll have a bunch of news posts. I've got a column up. Doug Lay Maurice has a column up. We've got all sorts of stuff. And we haven't even had the press conference yet, Mary Kay. So uh, I know. <laughs> things are going to stay happening. busy. Yeah, that, that should be sometime, um, I don't know, maybe around, I don't know yet about the time, but usually it's like 11, 12, maybe I would think. And um, it'll be very, very interesting to, you know, to hear from them on the details of how they arrived at this and, you know, did it really come down to the wire and, you know, whatever we can find out about how it all went down behind the scenes. All right, so that'll do it for this edition of our Orange and Brown Talk podcast, the new coach edition, uh, as always, sponsored by Sibling Revelry Brewing. Thanks to them uh, for sponsoring us. Thanks to all of you for listening. For Mary Kay Kevin, I'm Dan Lobby, and we'll talk to you guys later.